Influencers, inspiration, and Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. This is Earned by Tribe Dynamics. Here's Connor Begley. All right, welcome everybody to Earned uh, by Tribe Dynamics. This is the podcast where we try to give you access to the most interesting people we can find in uh, the lifestyle industry. And today we have what I think is probably one of the top five influencer marketing experts in the world. Um, And I'm not exaggerating. So this is Michael McNeil. So Mike, welcome uh, and thank you for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. And if I'm the most interesting person you could find today, I... I'm sorry. (laughs) No, 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 not even close. So uh, for those that don't know, uh, Michael, from 2011, I believe, through 2016, Michael helped to build the influencer empire known as Anastasia Beverly Hills, along with Claudia and Anastasia's help, obviously. Right. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. and they, uh, they continue to be the number one brand we track in all of makeup uh, in EMV today within the U.S. And then second, you're now the VP of Integrated Marketing at Huda Beauty, yep. uh, where you're seeing explosive growth or help to lead explosive growth within the U.S. and work again with one of the other big, big, um, you know, uh, presences within the beauty industry. So you've, you've got experiences that most other people in the world don't have, which is uh, why I'm excited for today. Perfect. Yeah, let's get into it. Awesome. Well, let's go. Let's start with your background. So, do you yep. like to? I want people to understand kind of who you are, where you came from. So, I know that you went to LMU and you yep. studied political science. Yep. Um, did very well from a grades perspective as well. So, magna cum laude. Um, what made you decide to pick political science? And then, you know, I also did some snooping on the back end, <laughs> and Claudia told me that you were originally pre-med, yep. which, you know, and then <laughs> somehow that ends, in, ends up in the beauty industry marketing. So tell me about that. What, what made you choose political science, transition for pre-med, that whole thing? Claudia's got a good memory. I'm going to call her after and be like, <laughs> hey, good, good job. <laughs> um, so uh, my mom uh, was a single mom. And she uh, had quite a few children to take care of as a single mom. And she actually, uh, with the help of my grandparents, put herself through school and became um, in-law. She went into the, the, the legal field. So that kind of prompted me to, when I first started college, you know, go into political science. I thought maybe I'd be a lawyer one day. And then quickly I was like, actually, I think I'm going to be a doctor. Uh, my grandparents were very into education um, and they also helped raise me. So they were like, actually, like, be a doctor, be a doctor, be a doctor. So um, and my, grandpa, my grandpa's an engineer from MIT and he was a little bit like, okay. And I was like, okay, yeah, okay, grams. Um but I, after talking to a few, you know, school counselors and like doctors and things like that, they're like, stick with political science, but you're going to have to double major. You're going to have to do pre-med and political. And then med schools will love you even more. And I thought to myself, and I thought to myself, great, that's okay. Double classes. So I took double classes, um, <laughs> at Loyola, basically like 21 units, uh, a term, <laughs> which was pretty crazy. Um, and so that's kind of where the, um, pre-med came. So I was doing, all of my pre-med stuff, took all of my MCAT exams, uh, did my applications, uh, had got a few interviews, which were really good and kind of like, you know, sought after. And my, my family was super stoked. They were like, oh my God, you know, Mike's going to be a doctor. And then one day I was having lunch um, with one of my best friends. Her name is Mary Catherine Mill, and she's still the director of marketing at Anastasia Beverly Hills. I think you know her. Um, and I just kind of looked at her and I was like, 
I can't do this. I don't think I can do this. And, she, and I remember she's like eating an enchilada and we're both like are eating. And she's like, well, you, you, you better figure it out. <laughs> she was like, she was blank and very much in true kind of like best friend form. She was like, huh? Uh, and, and, I, and I asked her and I was like, so it looked. You know, I'm actually kind of having a little bit of a, like a, like a one fifth life crisis. I think it was 21 or 22 at the time. I was like, if you know anybody who's hiring, maybe it's just going to be a sign. And no joke. She called me two days later and said, well, you know, I know somebody who works at, um, this really cool, like very small, um, like eyebrow company. And I was like, okay, well, when I said I wanted a job, okay, like let's, let's talk about it. And literally, I interviewed, and within two weeks, I was working at Anastasia Beverly Hills. So it was it was like a very quick universal shift to uh, my career. It was basically like the universe or God or, you know, whoever you want to say basically was like, bloop, bloop, and like put me kind of where I was supposed to be. <laughs> so it was very interesting. That is, that's a big shift. Like, how did your family react? Like, what was their, uh, <laughs> like, from doctor to like, ah, I know I did all that work and took all those classes. And <laughs> so my mother, she was, my mother's hilarious and she's, and my grandparents and my mother are like very East Coast. We're from Boston originally. So my grandpa just was kind of like, what's happening? And my mother thought I was becoming a makeup artist. And she was like, what is happening? She's like, what do you mean you're big? She's like, she's like, you can barely draw. <laughs> she's like, how are you going to be? A, she's like, how are you going to be a makeup artist? I'm like, no mom, it's marketing. And I had already been working at a branding agency through college and things like that. So it wasn't like a complete, it wasn't a complete mm -hmm. shift, but my mother was way more excited about the possibility of me being a doctor than the possibility of me being a marketer for sure. At the beginning, <laughs> at the beginning, it took a little bit of, uh, took some convincing. Uh, and then I remember when I gave her the first round of, um, eyebrow products at, <laughs> at, uh, Anastasia, she was like, okay, I accept this position and like walked away. <laughs> so, well, I mean, you clearly made the right choice. That was like an insane journey. That was an insane journey. Uh, I have to imagine. Yes. Yep, for sure. What when you started there? How small was it? Because I feel like that that period that you were there was just like crazy, crazy growth. So that period, I joke about because I rem I I feel like I remember every single moment of every day from the moment Claudia was interviewing me in her like in her in her office that had like a zebra wood desk at the time to like the day like to my last day four ish four and a half years later or something like that so it literally i tell everybody Anastasia beverly hills was my phd in beauty but not just my phd in beauty but like marketing in general i had branding experience i had marketing agency experience and being on the brand side I had all those skills that were applicable, you know, but being on the brand side just opened my eyes to building something long-term. And it literally was, um, it was the, one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. I think working there kind of like working there changed my life. Claudia changed my life. And, you know, she really gave me a career. Um, so did Anastasia, obviously, but, um, but it was, it was amazing and it was challenging. It was, it was all the things that I think, you would want to get out of like a really good college experience, <laughs> but it was at Anastasia. Well, I mean, that is, it's just a very, like you said, it's just very unique. It's just not common. Most people in their careers won't be at a company that has that kind of growth. Yeah. And then also for you specifically, 
you know, to be involved in what I believe to be the primary growth engine for that business on the social media and influencer side, you know, with obviously Claudia and Anastasia leading the way, but of you course. running a lot of the behind the scenes action yeah. is, um, and, and again, and it's like, it's unique, not only from a growth, like, so you had the growth of the business, which is wild. You had the kind of, you're in the primary growth channel in terms of social and influence. Right. And then you're, and it, it's in a period of time in which that whole thing was very new, right? Like, right. There wasn't like 2011, you know, that's 2011, 2012. That's when we started Tribe. Instagram really didn't even exist at that point, right? Like I think Instagram got started in like 2013 or something like 2012, 2013. So that's – it's just a really cool, really cool period of time. It was – yeah, it was the most amazing period of time because of the fact that – we got to create things and we got to come up with ideas that really didn't exist at the time. What we knew was we knew certain things weren't working. Certain things weren't working with our marketing program. Certain things weren't working with the way the brand maybe even was positioned, you know, but they worked mm-hmm. at a time, you know, and, and the amazing thing about Anastasia and Claudia is they're both such like, are we allowed to cuss anyway? Yeah, <laughs> go for it. There's not. They're such fucking visionary women, you know, and mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of people out there, particularly in the beauty industry, who would literally sit there and look at each other, hire a new team and say, let's try. Let's try to change things up because, you know, the business was great. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't struggling. There was nothing. It was growing. But it was just this understanding that there was something new here that we could pour gasoline on that fire, on that spark, and really turn something into something huge. And we and we did. Um, so it really was the most exciting time because it was the Wild West. It was, let's try this, let's not tr- let's stop this. But it was a constant test and learn. Um, and it's my opinion, you know, some people like maybe from other companies might have a little bit of a different opinion, but it's my opinion that at Anastasia Beverly Hills, um, we really kind of invented, in my opinion, what beauty marketing looks like today um, via Instagram, via influencer, via social media. There was nobody else that we could look to at the time and say, right, that's working, copy it. It wasn't that. It was It was actually how do we solve for problems that we're having in our PR? How do we solve for problems that we're having with awareness? How do we solve... How do we solve for all of these things? And the answer, sorry, I'm getting notifications. No, go. That's um, the point. Keep going. <laughs> we, uh, how do we solve for all of these things that nobody's ever done before? Um, yeah. and, and that was the interesting part. So, and it was, it was, which f- is like fun the most exciting scary. part too for me, right? Like, yeah. I love that. Like, it's like, okay. I mean, not that, like, it's like launching this podcast. Not that there's plenty of podcasts out there. And so I had that as a kind of a guide. But just the idea of getting something from zero to one, right? Getting from not started to started is just a really fun thing to do. Yep. And especially when you're having as much success as you guys were having. Um, but again, I do think when you're in those moments, you can also get – it can be all-consuming at the same time. Like yeah. I have to imagine this was just what you were – you know living, breathing, eating, sleeping 24 hours a day. So I had a crash course in everything, to be honest. I had a, I came with really strong writing abilities. I came with really strong analytical abilities. I knew how to, I knew how to work with brands to help them like build, you know, 
brand documents and how to build out a brand and what the look and the feel and the USP. Like I knew all of that stuff from my previous agency work. Um, but what I didn't know was to be perfectly honest, I didn't know anything about beauty. I had one beauty client at the, at my previous agency and it was like an organic, like lip balm line. And so like to call that beauty, you could, right? It's technically, but I, it's more self care. And so when I got into Anastasia Beverly Hills, I remember Claudia like looked at me once and it was so funny and I went kind of went, <laughs> and I think it might've been my first week and she was like, okay, so just tell me one thing. I was like, uh-huh. She's like, like, what do you know about makeup? And I, and I literally was like, I got sisters. And she literally was like, I'll accept it. Like, she, she was like, you know, you know. Yeah, no shit moment. I, I think oh, we both, I think, I think we both did. And I was like, I was like, I got this. Don't worry. But you know what I did? Like, I threw myself in and I remember like, you know, you know, and we learned all, I learned all about kind of everything makeup and beauty. And it was just, a, it was a fun challenge because I don't personally, I don't personally wear makeup, but it was just a new world. It was how people wear makeup, how people wear like all types of makeup, men wearing makeup, you know, gender non-conforming people wearing makeup. And it's, um, trans people, I literally it was an entire world of, of like creativity that I had never seen before. And it really, and actually the more I learned about it, the more excited I got. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you can just go so deep into it as a category. I mean, that's part of the reason that it does so well from a content perspective. There's just so much to talk about. Um, so talk to me about the mechanics of like day to day when you're at Anastasia, because obviously, you know, Claudia and Anastasia are very visual yeah. kind of front of the brand face of the brand team members, how did you fit into that puzzle? Like, what were you doing? How are you enabling them? Like, how did those dynamics work? So basically, we were such a small team. I think when I started, I think in the office, there were maybe 12 people, um, including okay. Anastasia and Claudia. And Claudia, uh, Anastasia was still working full time at the, the salon in Beverly Hills. So Anastasia is an absolute powerhouse. She would go to work at, you know, at, and do her, her thing at the salon, make sure the salon was the best one in Beverly Hills. And then she'd come to the office, you know? So it was, it was amazing to see her be able to work that way. And the same thing with Claudia, but, um, Every, it was basically whatever we had to do, we had to do uh, in the beginning days, right? So it was writing copy. It was making sure the PR was right. It was all of us getting products and going to the gondola for Sephora and make sure the merchandising was right, checking every email, checking every, like doing all the e-com, you know what I mean? Like those beginning days, um, myself and Mary Catherine <laughs> basically did all the marketing. We were the marketing team. There was somebody else who was above us um, who wasn't there for a long time, but... Um, we basically did all the marketing and, and Mary Catherine and I would laugh because it was simultaneously the most fun to get to do the creative stuff, right? You know, Claudia was always really great at being like, take a look at this. Like, what do you think? Look at this with me. Claudia is such a creative visionary and so is Anastasia herself that like their aesthetic is very honed, you know, mm -hmm. but, but they always, they always were like, let's do this. Let's come up with ideas for this. So it was always really collaborative and really good. Um, but we basically were doing, we were a very small team, uh, who did everything. <laughs> it was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty crazy those first couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. How, so how did that I mean? Like from a tactics perspective, you know, obviously, I think Anastasia was basically running the Instagram channel herself at one point. Mm -hmm. um, but from a like 
How did you integrate? So you've got kind of Anastasia, which is the face of the brand, and Claudia, which is the face of the brand. But then you guys also worked with, I think you guys did a really good job of like highlighting the community and building a community. What were some of the tactics that you guys did there that you think really kind of paid off and were, were important? Right. So um, I think we've re- we we learned early on that we were like, okay, you know what? Like we we started with Facebook and then Facebook, we were like, okay, we're getting some tra- traction on Facebook. Let's try Instagram. So then we went into Instagram before really anybody else was. The yeah. thing about it was this was before anybody even really like on a consumer standpoint knew how to interact with Instagram. So we came up with this thing that like nobody else was doing at the time that we came up with this idea of like collages where we were almost treating Instagram at the time like Pinterest. Um, and it sounds really strange, but I would be up until like 11 at night, like sending Claudia, like, like here's yellow purses, here's yellow shoes, here's yellow nails, here's girls with yellow hair. You know what I mean? To go with a look and the look didn't necessarily have to do anything with us. And that was the magic, I think, of the Anastasia Beverly Hills Instagram at the beginning was mm-hmm. we be, we created a beauty destination. And that's kind of what the important thing was. It wasn't originally, um, it wasn't something to peddle our wares, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We created a beauty destination that people came to regardless of if they knew that we sold anything. They came for inspiration. They came for um, advice, ideas. And as we saw those like old school collages, I always laugh because it seems so strange and like outdated, right? But it was years and years ago. Um, people came to look at that and like it. And as we saw, we said, you know what? Let's throw in makeup. Let's throw in our products with other people's products. So we would go through and we'd be like, okay, this amazing artist is wearing, uh, she's going to wear Anastasia Browis, right? She's wearing um, MAC Paint Pot. She's wearing foundation from Too Faced or Lancome. She, and we were also, I think, one of the first ones who kind of broke that old school traditional marketing rule where you don't talk about your competitors. And that yep. was the point where we went, and we saw we saw the needle like go to full power because I think consumers appreciated that there were so it was so many years of traditional marketing of of saying oh we don't talk about our competitors we don't mention them by name like we're better they don't exist you know and we actually did the opposite we're like wait a minute people use multiple products so this was the beginning of this thought of look at your audience and speak to them in the language that they already speak don't try to make them speak your language speak to them how they want to be spoken to. And that's when the conversation started. And that's kind of when our Instagram just kind of like started to skyrocket. And you saw other brands do the same thing, you know, within four or five, six months after once, I think they saw kind of how explosive our first round of growth was. I think we got to 3 million in that first year, um, which was something kind of like unheard of, uh, maybe a year and a half or something, but um, it's a long time ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's... Uh, But yeah, so we really just kind of like flipped the marketing script. And once I think we figured out that, like once all of us in the office saw that, you know, the content Claudia would put up, the content that like we would source on our own, Mary Catherine and I, once we saw that was happening, all of our eyes opened to, oh, the beauty community is really hungry for a shift in what we're giving them. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when all of our other marketing started to change too. What's crazy is that like still hasn't changed for a lot of brands. Like <laughs> most brands still don't do that. Like there's still like there's oh sorry we can't use this post. It has other brands in it. It's like what? Like 
so I'll tell you, like I have been on interviews <laughs> in my career where I'm kind of telling a similar story to what I'm telling now. And the, the looks on like the CEO's face or the owner's face are like blank slash, um, slash like bewildered, <laughs> yeah. you know, because it's very interesting. I think even for some companies today that have like a marketing executive come in and say, well, the way to, the way to win this game is by basically throwing out your, your whatever degree from wherever told you this, you know what I mean? And that's kind yeah. of, and that's kind of the thing where I think a lot of, a lot of people have hesitation, right? Because, um, they fear their competitors instead of embracing their competitors. And I think real brands who are really going to just continue to win, um, and in the future are brands that embrace their competitors. And it's not really about competition as much as it is about community. And I think that's like the one thing we always did better than anybody at Anastasia Beverly Hills in that period of time, um, at the beginning, because nobody else was really there. We created a community when everybody else was trying to cultivate customers. And that was the big difference at that point in time. Yeah, it's interesting as you're talking about it. And like, I've always found, like when I'm talking to somebody about Tribe, you know, they'll be like, oh, do you do this? I'm like, no, but this other company does it really well, right? Like, you should talk to these other guys. They're really good at it. And what that leads to is people trust you more, right? right. You don't misrepresent what you do. And you, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, we do have this product. But they're actually better at this. And, and but at the same time, we haven't done it as tribe, like, really proactively from a marketing perspective. Like, how do we use our own channels, like, to highlight people that could be perceived as competitive to us? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but aren't really, right? Like, at the end of the day, like, our job is to make these influencer marketers more successful. And, like, whether that's using us or using us plus somebody else or using somebody else, you know, you build trust by, you know, not only representing the stuff that makes you money. Exactly. Um, that's 100% it. We, I don't know why we haven't been doing that. Well, anyways, <laughs> I felt like I was, I was, you were talking and I was like, God damn it. Like, why aren't we doing this? Like, I do it personally, but like, we don't do it as a company. Well, um, you know, my marketing team might kill me after this, but let me tell you, it's a, well, don't kill me either marketing team. I'm sure <laughs> I, I, I know a few of you, I've met a few of you and you're all very lovely people, um, but <laughs> don't kill me. But that's a whole other content stream and it's a whole mm -hmm. other really valuable content stream because nobody wants a hard sell. You know, it's 2020, oh. you know, it's, it's, things are tough out there. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants a hard sell, you know, and, and Claudia and Anastasia and Mary Catherine and myself saw that in 2011, 2012. Right. And that hasn't changed, you know, Nobody wants to be spoken at. They want to be spoken to. You know, it's very simple yeah. kind of like, it's very simple um, interpersonal communication skills. And I think that's kind of like the key here. And people, people, people want to trust who they're working with, I think, now more than ever. Ugh. So frustrated at myself. Okay, you got, anyways, Connor, let's move on. Connor, you, you got this. I, you, you, you're doing great. You're doing really great. I think you're okay. <laughs> but, uh, but you're, but yeah, don't don't send anybody on the marketing team after me though, because I don't need a. <laughs> I, don't no, need no, no, no. I will. I will. I will. Um, so tell me about. So obviously, you've worked with two of the biggest personalities in the entire beauty industry, right? Yeah. We'll call it three. Yeah. Um, what has been the difference in your relationships with those 
people. It's obviously for Huda, she's, you know, she's not in the U.S. most of the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, and so there's a, you know, there's just a real, it's not, you're not sitting in the office with her every day. Mm-hmm. Um, what has your relationship been like with those, you know, three personalities and then how, you know, how's that changed over time? To be honest, I'm, I'm so lucky because I'm really blessed to just be able to sit there and say, I have a great relationship with Claudia. Um, yep. even after years of not working together, she'll, we still text each other. We still say hi. Um, we still give, you know, there's still heads up, like, Hey, heads up. This is happening. Like Anastasia, whenever I see her, I get like the biggest hug and you know what I mean? It's, it's with, with them, they're. I'm lucky because I work with very real people, you know, I, and that I think is something that I've been really selective with in my career, um, you know, because there are founders or non-founders who are, who are working. And the one thing that I really got out of my time at Anastasia, not the one thing, but one of the big things is um, an appreciation for people who are real and they actually kind of like walk their talk, you know, mm-hmm. and Anastasia and Claudia are like that. And like nothing really has changed in our relationship except I just don't see them as much you know and and Claudia is hilarious because she's like yeah she's like I guess your competition but like whatever you know what I mean like she jokes <laughs> and she, you know what I mean she's like like and like but but that's her you know and like she's she's just she's just a cool like I think Claudia taught me how to be cool if I'm gonna be honest like like if I'm gonna be just super honest about it like I think like my first I think there was like a time where I was like wearing a yellow shirt and she's like I was like, what? Like, we don't do this. And I was like, got it. Like, you know what I mean? And I was like, and I was like, but it was, it was in like a, it was in like a, like best friend, big sister, like come here, like I'm going to help you child kind of way. And you know what I mean? Like, and, but that's how, but that's how it was to work there. It was like, it was, if you, if you got into that relationship, there's such cool, like smart people that kind of lasts forever. And Huda is the exact same way. And when I remember when I interviewed with like Huda, I literally was like, okay, um, founder interviews go like one way or the other. You're either like boop or you're not. And um, I have taken a few jobs where um, they're amazing people, but like there's not as strong of a connection. And, mm-hmm. and that's okay. You know, that happens, you know, it's just, you know, personalities and things like that. But I remember after talking to uh, Huda and Mona, who were both on my first interview, and I, it was like a phone interview, um, I remember thinking to myself, okay, these are the actual, like, nicest, coolest people I have talked to, like, ever in a long time, whatever you want to say, whatever period that you want to say. And I remember the one thing that really struck me about Huda is I walked into Dubai, into the office the first time, she had never seen me, by the way. Like, we had never met. And she came running up to me. And she's like, Michael, and gave me a hug. And I was like, how do you even know who I am? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, because... Yeah. and But for influencers, that's not always the case, right? For mm-hmm. business owners, that's not even the case. And at Huda, their main concern is people. Their main concern is creating a family. And the family is first in terms of, and the family is not the Catan sisters. The family is people who work for the Huda Beauty umbrella. And Mm -hmm. that was just such kind of like a magical thing to be able to work with them because they truly like the joke is in the business is like, you know, we give all the fucks at Huda Beauty and, (laughs) and it's, and it's so true because in every single thing that they do, they do it for the people they work for. Or who work for them, I should say, and um, and that's the most beautiful thing. They, it's 
I spoke to Huda and Mona last night and literally like the first 15 minutes of all of our calls are just like catching up with each other and just seeing what's new, how's it going, like family, you know? And that's the beautiful thing about this relationship. I can't like, I can't speak highly enough about Huda and Mona and Alia is the third sister because they really are just, I swear to God, like I sometimes scratch my head. I'm like, God, I gotta be nice like this. I have to be as nice as they are because <laughs> like, they- I'm not this nice. <laughs> I, I literally was like, wow. They're like, Michael, you're, you're, you're so nice. And I was like, you guys are really nice though. Like this is like a level of deep caring about human beings that, you know, I've not experienced in so long. And honestly, like they're just, they're the most beautiful people. Like they're so special to me. And I'm lucky enough to say that in both situations, um, both sets of like these strong, brilliant female founders that I've been able to work with are so amazing that I, I am lucky to keep them in my life during, after, you know, like they're just so it's, I've been lucky. And again, it's a little bit by design because I think when you have really good experiences, you can sort of navigate with your career like this, maybe not this, this, maybe not this. Right. So, um, I've been, I've been immensely lucky with the people I've been able to work with, particularly with Hiramona, Claudia and Anastasia. Yeah. It's a pretty special crew. Um, yeah. And actually, I mean, you talk about relationships there and, you know, that's one of the things that we talk a lot about. And I think that gets lost in this whole social media influencer space is that people approach it like just any other marketing activity where it's like, oh, let's find some people. We'll pay them to talk about us. Oh, this person's cool. Kylie's cool. Let's pay her to be an ambassador right. of the brand. And like, that's just not really what it's about. Um, how has, so, you know, obviously taking a step back to the Anastasia days, then we'll go in kind of full into yeah. the, the Huda days. Um, you know, how, how many of those relationships have you brought with you that you formed back then on the creator side? I'd have to imagine it's a ton. It's a good few. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good yeah. few. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, you meet people, you get to know people. Um, and especially kind of, I think in like the beginning days, like the early days is where I would say like Anastasia Beverly Hills and at Jouet, um, are when I was really able to kind of cultivate relationships that were meaningful beyond, you know, like business, right. You know, and, and that's the, I think the whole point, because I think what people forget is I think what a lot of big businesses or a lot of marketers try to do is they try to, um, they try to throw money. They try to throw budget at something. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, like it's going to work for a bit, right? You know what I mean? It's going to work, but it's a one-time, tra- it's transactional. It's a one-time thing. And, you know, influencers, I think the way we did it at Anastasia, um, and this was, I, I have to give a lot to Anastasia in this regard because Anastasia is the ultimate relationship person like she is the ultimate person mm-hmm. who is like she values relationships she's really good at it um and she cares like she gen- it comes from a place where she genuinely is like believes they're important you know it's not it's not about mm-hmm. it's not about anything else um and we treated that it that way at Anasase. each person was a person each person wasn't a kpi um each person was somebody that we were going to like lift up uh we would maybe mentor a little bit if they weren't already really big it was all about um it was all again it was community based it wasn't a it wasn't transactional it wasn't any of these things it was really just about creating creating real relationships where we would help each other when we needed to 
Mm-hmm. And then we took we took that same or I took that same thing to Jouer when I was at Jouer, and we made even more relationships and kind of and you know built that you know into a really into a really nice kind of like piece of like you know the the niche kind of luxe like beauty industry and but it's all about relationships it's not about throwing money at things it's about getting to know people and figuring out what's important to them um and by the way like newsflash so i think like marketers out there like listening like young budding people maybe like some things like like that's who this is like like nobody cares about your business (laughs) you care about (laughs) your business like and i and i and i say this and like and it's like super irreverent and that's just kind of my style anyway i have like spikes through my face and tattoos out in boardrooms like you know what i mean like it's nobody cares about your business you do your people do and that's great and your fans do but at the end of the day you have to care about other people for them to care about you right and that goes for that goes for creators especially creators because they're artists right um mm-hmm. and you know they're emotionally driven beings because you have to be to create such beautiful anything anything on a media anything that you're going to create you have to put your heart into so you got to have some soul there right and if you treat them like a number if you treat them like a KPI if you just approach them that way there's enough business out there where they don't have to gravitate to that you know it's it's you you have to you have to show them that you care about them just so that they care about you it's dating like i kind of like liken it like when you go on a date you're on a date you know what i mean like <laughs> like yeah you're like you're, if you don't, you don't you're not there to just talk about yourself exactly like if you started a date and you just said like let me tell you about all the things i know about my or that are cool about me yeah and you just, did that for the first 30 minutes of a date like dates over right? dates over, yeah dates over even if even if it's like even if it's like a budding influencer even if it's a it's an artist of any point like i don't care if you have like two followers or a hundred million they're gonna check out because they're gonna be like what's what's happening what's happening you know and and it goes back to you know it goes back to speaking to people in the way that they want to be spoken to. You know, I always like bring it back to this like central message of speak the right language for the room you're in. And kind of that's, you know, that's where we are. So there's a really good Seth Godin quote that does the same kind of thing. He said, you'll get everything in you want, everything in life you want. Mm -hmm. If you help enough other people get what they want. Like if you can help other people get what they want, you're going to get everything you ever need. Exactly. And like thinking about it from that perspective, like, okay, like I tell people this all the time, like imagine that you're a creator. What are your goals, right? Um, Your goals, right? Like are a variety of things. One, you want to make money, of course, but two, like you want to get bigger. Like I want to, if I have 50,000 fans, I want to get to a hundred thousand fans. So as a brand, how can you help me get to that goal? Right. Well, if you, you know, you re, re, you regram me, okay, great. I just gained a thousand fans or you bring me in and you allow me to visit all of my fans in different Sephora stores across the country. Like that's something that helps me to build my audience in that way. And right. so it's like thinking about what are their goals and then how do you help them get there? Right. And then ultimately they'll return that favor if you're helping them. Right? Exactly. It's, so. it's, it's basic. It's like the basic properties of just like mentorship right like (laughs) if i mean it's it's so simple like you know i feel like all of these like all of our business functions can be really like distilled down to very very simple like emotional intelligence like everything can come down to if they need help help them if they want help help them if they don't ask for help don't sit there and say (laughs) try to impose yourself on them you know it's very simple relationship stuff but you know Influencers should feel comfortable coming to you 
about stuff that's not related to your brand too. And that's the other thing that I tell people that blows their mind. You should have relationships with influencers. By the way, I don't even like to call them like influencers. Like I feel like you should have relationships with people who yes. happen to be in, in, in your in your industry is kind of how I like to refer to these amazing folks, you know? Because everybody's like influencers and it gets like really like, I'm, I'm like, okay, like it's like, okay. They're people. They're, they're, they're humans and they just... And they're really cool and they're really good at what they do. And by the way, like it takes a shit ton of work. So, so understand that they're people understand that it takes a shit ton of work and then find the ones that you would be friends with in real life. Cause that's what I do, you know, and that's kind of what everybody on my team does form real human relationships and everything else is going to go from there, you know? Um, but I have worked, you know, in, in a lot of places and I've worked in places where, that that road isn't fast enough. That road isn't scalable enough. That road. No, we're gonna throw I money hate at those it. Words. And I like literally, I, hate. <laughs> I literally, I was at a place once, and the most amazing people were there, and this word kept coming up. How do we scale it? How do we scale it? And I was like, Well, you're gonna give me sixteen months, and we're gonna and we're gonna scale it the right way, um, and. That was like, that was like mind blowing. It was like a mind blowing concept. They're like, what do you mean 16 months? And I was like, this is a long game. Like, you understand this is a long game, right? And they're like, how about we just pay a lot of people? And I was like, okay, well, you're going to make a few influencers really happy. That's true. You know what I mean? So like, there's certainly something to be said for that. What after? What are you going to do after? So can we weave this into a greater strategy if you really feel this is important? You know, I'm just trying to be like strategic about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll get more money. And I remember just thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, Lord, okay. So you know, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, it's a way to do it. Like, I'm going to use a Susan Kinism, a skinism. I just yeah. coined that. So I'm going to tell her that I've trademarked it, but she can buy it back for me. Um, <laughs> a skinism is um, like, of all the strategies in the world, it's one of them. <laughs> you know? That is definitely a strategy. That I is confirm that. Yes, and and this is and it's one of my favorite things that Susan says. <laughs> and I'm like, so I'm gonna steal it from her. But again, um, but it's 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 one of those. It's people don't want to put in the the work, you know. And it's it's one of these things where you got to put in the work. It's it's dating. It's it's relationships. It's friendships. It's marriage. You know. It's. All of these things, when there's an emotional connection, you have to put in the work. And, you know, I think some marketing teams are really up for that challenge. And I think some marketing teams get mind blown by that concept. But I think that's where everything will end up. I think in five, 10, we, we already see it. Um, but I definitely think in 10 years, that whole paradigm is going to be very solidly locked into a lot of lifestyle and, and CPG brands. Yeah, I think they're, you know, people are starting to get it mostly because there's now been you know, dozens of these brands that have gotten to just massive size doing it the right way. And so obviously there's still a lot that don't get it. Um, I think we've been fortunate in that we work with a lot of the brands that do. So we've been able to like, the thing that I love is like hearing you say these words just confirms everything that we say. Right. So like, you know, and it's, um, so that's probably been the best Validation, like you know, the one of the stories I like the best was from the Glow Recipe episode we did. I asked them how how did you when they started their brand and they're doing really well in the data that we track without ever having raised any money. They're profitable. Never. By the way, they're and they're and they're a great brand. They're a great and, brand. 
And they, you know, the way that they kicked it off was they said, okay, we looked through all the different creators out there and found the people that we liked the best, 300 of them. And then we looked at all of their content and created an individualized skincare routine, including our products plus other products at other brands. Yeah. And then sent that to all 300 of them and then offered to like say like, hey, and we'll send it to you like as like a package if you're interested. And they did that for three years. I want to take a note. Hold on. I'm going to take this. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody's doing that, right? Yeah, but that's, that's what it is. And they said those people now are like the core of their community. Like of all those people they reached out to at the beginning. Um, and that's, you know, they've been so that, and that's however many years ago, four or five years ago that yeah. they maintained those relationships. It's, it, it goes back to some people are going to get it right off the bat. Some people I think need a little bit, you know, convincing. And then some people like to do it, I think the more traditional way and that may, that feels comfortable for them. Um, so I just think it's about what your priorities are, what your goals are. Uh, but I think if your goal is brand building, like not short-term pros, not short-term profits, not like, oh, let's flip this thing. Like if your goal is brand building, this type of activation is now, um, one of the basic cornerstones of what your marketing team should be doing in the beginning. Um, it's oh, and at the end right? and the all time. the, all the way through. But yeah. if you don't start with, if you don't start with it, um, and you don't get the team used to it, you know what I mean? Because it does feel a little counterintuitive for some, you're not going to get off the ground in the way you want to. You're not five years, six years, seven years down the road. You're not going to look at your brand and say, holy shit, I have a shit ton of equity because of, you know, I have advocacy, I have, you know, awareness, I have consideration, like I have all of these things that lead to a strong brand. You're not going to have it. You might have awareness, maybe mm -hmm. you, you could yeah, probably have yeah, awareness. Yeah. You might have a small amount of consideration because of the fact that you do, you were able to build that awareness, but you're going to have zero advocacy. You're going to have, you're going to have a, you're going to have a, a tripod with two legs. You know what I mean? Like it's not mm -hmm. gonna, mm -hmm. it's not going to stand the, the stress test of when things do get shaky, you know? So I think it behooves all marketers and all brands to really focus in on kind of like what's important. And it's, it's in 2020 and beyond its relationships. Totally. How did you, so talking about relationships, how was it, because when you came into Huda, right? So Anastasia started really small, grew up really big. And with Huda, it's grown a lot, yep. but it was already, there was a pretty big community she had yep. built out. Um, how did you go about kind of introducing yourself to that community and getting to know them and, and also grow it, right? Because I think within the US, that was your goal was to yep. really grow the community. Yep. Talk me through that process of coming into something that's a little bit more established um, but that you also have grown a lot since then. Yeah. Um, so that was, so I'm used to being in, um, places where like they kind of install me as a bit of a growth engine, right? Like I'm used to, I'm used to them kind of, I, in my career, I'm used to be like, here's Mike and we're going to plug and we're going to like turn on the power. Right. And, and it's just kind of been, and it's because of what we were able to do at Anastasia. I've been able to kind of just like take bits of that and make it relevant to other businesses. Right now, uh, at Huda, that script is was not the same as my typical trajectory outside of Anastasia Beverly Hills, right? Mm -hmm. This was already, as you said, um, Huda, Huda was already the number one influencer in the world, period, yeah. like point blank. Like um, Huda was in a different country. She was in Dubai. She was already the biggest influencer in the world. The brand was already 
smoking hot on fire at you know the, all of their retail partners worldwide and there was this like cult-like celebrity around huda and mona uh that was different and i was like okay so i had to really evaluate okay so here is my here's my repertoire here is my like you know like you open up your like coat like here's all your tools right and i'm like <laughs> i'm like which of my tools are right for this job and the first um the first six months it was really hitting the ground running and and honestly i was i was employee number three in in the united states so which is crazy considering how big the business was there right yeah so i literally <laughs> also was like the the general size of the Huda team, like I remember talking to you guys back then, and it was like it was like oh we're like fifty people. I'm like, you guys do like over a hundred million in revenue. What do you mean you're fifty people? Like, and, and let me tell you, but it's it's the same story at ABH, right? Like, yeah, that's it's, true. It's, it's, super small it's like small but mighty, right? And so I yeah. was used to I, I'm so used to small but mighty, and I actually prefer it. Um, but it was really about figuring out on the ground what the United States and North America needed and then having to, how to integrate those policies into um, a more global picture about surrounding influencer, a more global picture surrounding comms in general and PR uh, and, and, and how to do 360s for marketing and things like that. So uh, when I was hired, uh, I actually was hired to do all of the integrated marketing for North America. So that's like 360s retailer support, um, getting launches off the ground here, making sure that aware, you know, building aware, all of the things, right? All of the things was, were kind of like under me and, you know, Susan. And what was actually not under me from the jump was influencer. They were oh, interesting, interesting I didn't right? Know that. Yeah, okay. plot, plot twist. And that was something where I was like, okay, um, can we talk about it? Like, can we, can you know, like, I, I might be able to help. I might be able to help. And literally it was hilarious because Huda walks up to me and we're on set in Los Angeles and she's like, she's like, so you're going to like run influencer, right? And I was like, am I? And she's like, are you? <laughs> I was like, am I? <laughs> and like, and, and we went from there. So, you know, the thing is, the influencer program was already strong. They were already doing like some of the, you know, they were doing some of the coolest press kits, like on, on the thing, like, you know, Huda's eye is impeccable when it, and the team's eye is impeccable when it comes to that, creating cool, intricate, social worthy, gram worthy stuff. And we just dug in and we started to take uh, North American strategies that we had to kind of cultivate it over, you know, years. And and affecting them in the United States because they were never affected in the United States before affect and putting them into Europe, putting them into the Middle East region. So, you know, it was a, it was an amazing thing that first six months or a year because they had such a amazing team and we just needed to basically start turning on the gas. You know what I mean? We just started to flip switches. What if we do what we're doing and we just adjust and do it here? What if we take this thing and we expand it and we do it here? Um, so it was a lot of watch and learn. You know, that first six months was a lot, a lot of watch and learn because the team was already, the team's amazing. So that was the big change for me in my career because I was very used to either going into a team and being like, scramble, 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 let's try the, you know what I mean? But this team was already a machine. So yeah, that yeah. was like, that was a growth for me because I had to figure out that they were already so good. You know what I mean? They were already so good. So just kind of 
expanding and amplifying what we were already kicking ass at was a really fun challenge and is a re- and continues to be a really fun challenge but the team is uh we we talk about the team in the in Huda Beauty in general across all three um offices as like we're scary like we have a scary team there's a lot of really good brain power in on different continents you guys have um, an incredible amount of firepower across that brand it's we, pretty impressive the collection of talent you guys got together it, it, we're the, we're the scary bunch <laughs> for sure <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's uh you got a dream team there it's good yeah. and, and i don't even, i mean i'm only basing it on the people that i know right yeah which is like you natalie susan etc yeah obviously huda mona um so everybody is everybody's really fantastic so but to to wrap up your question it's the challenge was basically looking at a moving machine and trying to slow it down long enough to figure out where you could put another piston where you could add like a supercharger where you could you know what i mean like where you get Mm -hmm. bigger tires i don't know whatever you know whatever kind of car thing i'm going on i don't know anything about i don't know how i don't know i don't know how my i don't know how my brain went that way but there we go we're having my butch moment but um but yeah, so it, it's it was a really it's really interesting and it's an ongoing um, it's an ongoing iterative process uh, and it's fun it's like really cool because your mind expands in a way once you hear when 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 there's something already working it's almost more magical right because mm-hmm. people are like well actually I tried this and the conversations that are open and the conversations that can open up around that when you actually take the time to talk about a team who are talk to a team who already knows what they're doing you you both get sharper you know you know everybody everybody gets sharper oh i already tried that oh well did you try it this way oh i've never thought about that before from my perspective so that's kind of the brilliance of this situation is that i feel like i've come in and i've been able to offer some good insight and let me tell you i've turned around and been like well shit i've never thought about that before and that's really <laughs> that's really cool yeah i thought i you knew know? what i was doing <laughs> <laughs> i joke with, i joke with um alia and huda all the time and i'm like you know i really thought I was really good at this. Like, I really thought this was my thing, and I'm just gonna go. Like, I'm gonna go sip some bone broth and cry. Like, give me a minute. Like, I'm gonna be fine. Like, <laughs> but it's. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! It's, uh, it's actually it's really good. cool when, like, I, we've had a lot of. I've had a lot of those moments too, as we've like built out our team, where it's like I'll send something to like our VP of Sales or to our head of marketing or whatever, and I'm like, hey, have you guys thought about this? Like, already working on it. Like, I thought I had it. Like, I thought I had a good idea there. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just want one. Sometimes you're like, I just want, I just want to win today. Give me one win, you know. And and and, but that's you know, that's the good thing about brilliant people and working with brilliant people because, you know. If you're the, you know, if you're the smartest guy in the room, it's like probably the wrong room, you know, that kind of old adage. Yeah, and yeah, let me yeah. tell you, at Hood of Beauty, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of smart people in those rooms. <laughs> and, and sometimes you're like, why didn't I do, why didn't I say this two weeks ago? How come I, you know what I mean? And, and it's, <laughs> yeah. that's, but that's, but that's the brilliant part of it. And that's the, that's the beauty of working on a team. And it has become my favorite, one of my favorite parts of working at Hood of Beauty is that, the conversations that get sparked take everybody's game up. You know, everybody's game gets lifted. So that's the that's the the big difference and the the beauty of it. Absolutely, and that's. I mean, it's just I feel the same way, and that like I just know there's just a lot of my 
people on our team that are just much smarter than me. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm going to roll with it. Like, yeah, uh, I'm going to do my best here. Thanks. Glad that we hired you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you, I feel the same way sometimes. So you're not alone, but that's a good place to be. Yeah, like, yeah. that's a good place to be. And, um, and that's kind of why, I, and that's one of the reasons I love Huda and Huda Beauty is just that aspect of it is so, um, it's mentally stimulating every single totally. day. Totally. So let's talk about, so I, you know, like I said, I did some background research. I did some texting, some calling, okay. and Su- we All mentioned right. Susan Kim a few times. So she is your, kind of one of your partners in crime here in the U.S. She is. She has become my, uh, my, my work wife slash work soulmate in the United <laughs> States. <laughs> um, so when I asked her, you know, what you were kind of really good at, like, one of the things that she mentioned was managing kind of difficult social relationships, social problems. And I know obviously once you get to be the number one influencer in the beauty world, you know, you're going to get that. People like to try and take down the king, right? And so how has it been kind of managing that process? And I'm sure you dealt with some of this at Anastasia as well, where like, you know, you're just going to deal with people that are going to be overtly negative. And I know that that's one of the bigger problems that brands find. Yeah. Um, like actually, I had a call with the CEO and founder of a brand that sold for hundreds of millions of dollars fairly recently, and she was really struggling with like how like she's like oh, I've got all these yeah. people that are tearing me down. What do I do? Um, so how do you how have you managed that? How do you guys deal with or how have you dealt with those kinds of problems? Well, tell that person that I'm sorry, and she can always call me. I will give. I will give free. I work. I'll sing for my supper. She just has to take me somewhere. <laughs> um, but I'm a big foodie, so you know what? Just let her know. Um, but the the thing is, is we talked about this a little bit earlier, yep. where it's you can boil down so much of good marketing, good management, and good leadership. And I, I really stress leadership in this in this state. Uh, in the sentence in this question as boiling good leaders typically have really 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 high emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. and i know that's not a typical answer that you're going to hear from whoever is going to give a talk a ted talk or whatever about leadership but for me in my career the things that and the people i've been blessed enough to work with People who cultivate this really kind of like superhuman strength, like superpower in emotional intelligence are the people you want to work for because why? Because they understand you, they get you, they they are with you and they treat you in the way that you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. That That notion of emotional intelligence gets you really far in a lot of things. And in one of these areas, it's kind of what Susan brought up. It's that social drama, Mm -hmm. right? Having a really strong sense of how people are thinking, how people are going to react to something, how people are going, are viewing this right now. Because let me tell you, nobody, nobody who's acting like a keyboard warrior, as I like to call them, you know, nobody... Most of them don't sit there and say, oh, I'm being hurtful. They don't sit there and say, oh, this is not right. Actually, many, many of them feel like they're doing the right thing. You know, they feel like they are fighting for what they believe in. And you have to look at that and you have to kind of honor that and say, okay. And you have to, you have to separate, you know, you have to look at it and you have to separate and become stronger for it. And this is kind of what I have always done and tried to do in any of the brands with any of the founders that I've worked with. Let's look at it. 
what are they saying? What is this group of people saying? And, and let's really understand and process and say, what should I take on? And what do I not agree with? And I think the, the knee jerk reaction is for brands, you know, brand like marketing people, maybe some founders, because obviously it's their name and their face is to say, no, that's not me. No. And reject and reject, but get deeper and get below the surface and say, what about this could be a little true mm-hmm. Or maybe if it's not true, could be perceived this way, right? Because we don't, you know, we know that in our hearts, like this drama, it's not true, Mm -hmm. right? But why is it being perceived that way? And what can we take on and what can we do better? And that is, I think, why I am pretty good at kind of like crisis comms. I'm pretty good at, you know, like social drama and, and things like that. Because there's an inherent understanding of, well, let's look at this from a really human perspective. Let's look at this like we're the person who's actually writing this comment, mm-hmm. right? Let's not look at it from the vantage point of we're getting this comment because we know how that yeah. feels. But I want to know how the person writing this comment feels because it's going to inform all of our decisions after this. And that is where I think most people, they 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 they, they never even get on the boat. The boat has left the pier. They don't even get on the boat. So they're sitting on the pier with their fireworks and saying, ah, and fighting like a social battle when, you know, and it's kind of mind blowing. Like, to be honest, like some of the, like some of the things that you see online and on Instagram and, you know, even now TikTok and things like that, it's pretty mind blowing how people react to some of mm-hmm. these things. Um, and I get it because it feels like a personal attack. And you really just have to look at it from another person's perspective and that should inform your action. So that's basically, and from there, like after you have that step, then you play, you know, mental chess and you say, okay, I'm going to make a statement from the brand that's going to be what? Well, your statement from the brand should be really like two to three things. One, it should be um, concerned about your community, uh-huh, one, uh-huh. period. It, your number one thing should not be defending the brand. It should be concerned for your community. Uh-huh. Second should be, this is what I stand for as a human, as a person, as a brand. Okay. And third, this is what I'm going to do about some of these issues that are being brought to our attention. Um, it should have those three things. Mm-hmm. And if you have missed that first concern for my community, yeah. concern for the community that we are responsible for cultivating, and you just jump right into two and three, mm-hmm you've lost you've lost 50% of the battle. So that's kind of how I envision it to really think about crisis comms if you'd like to call it that, you know. Um and and that's the that's the the basics, the 101 of it. It's incredibly difficult for people to feel criticized and then to respond without emotion. Like it is a sure. it is an absolute skill, I think. And I I know that for me, having been involved in client management, in sales, et cetera, I think that you develop a slightly thicker skin for dealing with those kinds of things. Um, But, and on top of that, so I think there's two things. One, it's hard for people to really kind of handle that. It's just very, it's hard to respond and not respond emotionally. And then secondarily, I think that it's hard to kind of conceptualize how big the audience is that's connected to a brand like you know, Huda, yeah, which is like, Huda, this yeah. is, it's a, you're dealing with probably a hundred million people that are going to interact with this brand, if not more. And it doesn't take a very high percentage of those people to misinterpret something or to not agree with a particular stance to have like 
you know, 10 to 20 people ripping you online. And so, exactly. you know, so you just have to like think about it from a numerical perspective. It's just a very small percentage of the audience. Like, although this, this one person is really upset, like ultimately it's, it's a, the vast majority of people connected to your brand and connected to you as a person, um, like you. Right. Yeah, and, um, exactly. You know, they just don't say it out loud all the time. And so, yeah, yeah it's uh it's definitely a skill you've mastered there. It's not, not an easy one. <laughs> And, you know, I would say this too, like, it's okay to, I think a lot of people are like, okay, don't res like, you know, don't respond with emotion. And I think you need to meter when you need emotion and when you maybe should just, you know, amp it up or amp it down. I actually encourage people to, to respond with emotion, but respond with positive, like positive emotion. Don't, mm -hmm. re don't re ever respond from a place of defensiveness or things like that, but Pour all the emotion in, but pour the right emotion in. Pour like pour like stewardship of your community in. Pour pour you know love for makeup and, and the brand in. Pour pour you know responsibility if that's what the situation yep. calls for. Pour that in. Um, that is, I think, where a lot of people miss the mark. It's um, they're either they don't do they start with negative emotions or they do this really corporate thing where it's like dur, 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 like you know like robot like you know one of those, you know, recapture things like how many, you know, crosswalks are there. And like, that's the, <laughs> like, that, like, like, that's, like, that's the response. Like, hello, how many times, like, yes, we see, we see you, we hear you, XO. Like, you know, you're like, that's not a response. And, no, and, no. and I think people get confused. And the most, the biggest thing I would say is people get scared. Yeah. Yeah. People get scared and move through that fear and, you know, really take your time and say something out of your heart. And I think you'll be okay. And get yourself a good PR person. Get yourself a really good comms person to run run ideas by. <laughs> the the sounding board is helpful. I think I've yes. uh, we haven't run into too many negative crises, luckily, uh, just because we're not a big consumer brand. But um, it's nice to have nice to have people in that in that role. Um, yep. Okay, so let's do one more question about kind of general yep. industry. I've got like so many more we could do, but we're we're running so long. Um, Sorry, I'm a, I'm a talker. Oh no, it's great. <laughs> this has been awesome. I'm so glad we did this. Um, Me too. So let's talk about other brands. So I have two yeah. questions about other brands. So one, yeah. I'd love to hear about some brands that you really admire. So brands that you mm -hmm. haven't worked with that you kind of look at and say, hey, I think they're just doing a fantastic job. If you have any of those. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, so are we talking about in industry, out of industry? Could be either. Really your call. Could be anything. Um, okay, so I got to say, um, I think that the recent launch of uh, Patrick Starr's One Size, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I actually think that the content behind that was mind-blowingly good. I, like, I literally sat there and I was like, and I'm a content snob, like admittedly when it comes to like content in the beauty industry. And I have to say that, you know, he came at it, from, and his team came at it from a place where I was interested in watching a beauty launch promo where that has not happened in a while. You know what I'm saying? I would say like, you've probably been and, exposed to a couple of those. So and maybe a few, and you know, and, <laughs> and, and and you know, and so I think that like I think that as like a as a kickoff, like Patrick Starr has been like 
amazing and the team there has been amazing and i think um i think that's something that's like one to watch and that has really um has really made me kind of think and say okay like this is really good so super impressed by them uh i continue to be impressed by kind of i mean to be perfectly honest i know this sounds crazy but i'm impressed with some um like jewelry brands that are like going out and like doing like really interesting things. Um, there's a, a, a brand called Parts of Four uh, that is this very small, very in, indie. I think they're located in Paris and I think they have an office in Spain or something. I don't, I'm not entirely sure, but they're a very like niche off kilter like brand and they just think about things in a little bit of a different way their content is super strange their <laughs> um, their, their their photography is is very um, is is cool and weird um and i like i like focusing on uh, to be honest i like to fo- focusing on small small guys yeah. i think small guys is where um where you get the creativity, you know, they say like, you know, what is it? Necessity is the mother of all invention. And I actually don't agree. I think scrappiness is the mother of all invention. I think, I think small scrappy teams come up with some cool stuff. And then the last one I'll say is it's actually another influencer brand, but I'm going to be like, but it kind of blew me away with her launch was Desi and her sunglasses line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I loved the fact that it wasn't beauty. I loved the fact that her, um, you know, actually Huda was the one who brought it to my attention. Huda and Mona were the ones who brought it to my attention in my last call with them. Um, and I really did a little bit of a deep dive into Desi and I was like, this brand is cool. Like, it's just cool. I love any brand that will elicit an emotional response. Mm-hmm. I want, I want to, I want to feel something. And I don't care if you're, you know, a hundred billion dollar a year brand or if you're a hundred dollar a year brand. If I look at your content, if I watch your videos i need to feel something in the first 10 seconds or less um and some brands are really getting it and that's kind of what i look for i'm like what do i feel because we're all we're all phone numb right we're all screen numb and what is that thing that's going to elicit that kind of human response that human connection is what i look at well, I'm gonna have to check out both of their launches a little bit more closely i i yeah. again like you i think i get a little bit I don't even know if it's numb, just overload, just so much content. Overload. Like, I yeah. constantly have 10 to 20 tabs of shit I want to read. And like, and that's, and, and there's a thousand brands out there that I could be looking at. So I'll have to check them out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the recommendations. Um, it's, okay. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, sorry, cool. go ahead. I said they're pretty cool. Like if you look at, if you look at particularly the Sephora content for one size, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. All right, well, let's get to, so we'll do some fun end of show questions. And these are all, right. all sourced by Claudia. So, um, <laughs> you know, and I'll, I, I even, uh, I was nice and pulled a couple out of there. Should I be scared? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. Well, the okay. first one's not, this one's a little bit more generic, but um, she asked you to share, and I don't know if she's talking about a particular story, but to share your funniest story from, that you can share while you're on a brand trip with influencers. Oh Lord, Claudia, you're getting a text message after this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, the funniest story. Okay, so there have been some moments. I won't lie. There have been some moments where uh, I laugh, and again, like these people are are just such cool humans, and it's funny because work is sometimes not work, right? Work is a lot of the times on these trips playtime. And like, hey, let's have fun, let's let loose. And there might have been some times in certain countries where um, people might have thought that the people 
on my trip were like like for purchasing for the evening let's just say oh. uh and that was a really <laughs> that was a new one for me yeah not it would have not speaking the language particularly of the place i was in trying to shoo people very aggressive people i should say away from uh the lovely humans who are my friends <laughs> at the time on oh that my trip gosh. uh so that has been one of the, the funniest and also like most awkward yeah things, to yeah, be yeah, honest. yeah yeah um there was a time where in a hotel in Paris, um, I was taking a shower before we were getting ready for like a big dinner. It was like a reveal dinner in Paris. And um, I saw like through this like very strange Parisian like ornate shower thing I was in. I was like, is this the shower? What is this? And I remember like looking through this like leaded glass door um, while in the shower and I'm seeing my phone like firecrackers. And I'm yeah. like, okay. It's gonna, it, it, I'm gonna give it a second because it's either like a bunch of messages that just came in because maybe, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. My reception went in and out. Whatever, yeah. So then it went dark and I was like, haha. And I literally was like, do to do, like, you know, washing my hair. And all of a sudden, and I was like, oh God. So I remember like I got out of the shower, soap in my hair, like literally, like trying to get as much soap out of my hair as possible, shampoo in my eyes. And I just, I just have like a barrage of, of messages that was like, SOS, SOS, um, I, I can't get out of a cab because they won't let me out of a cab because I'm trying to pay in dollars. And I'm like, okay. So I remember like putting on a robe, like freaking like soap in my hair, walking down with euros, trying to find the person who has locked, um, the, the people on our trip in their taxi, not letting them out because they don't have euros to pay. Oh my God. So I was like, and it's just, it's just stuff like that. Right? Yeah, it's just like just every day. <laughs> yeah. One after the other. It's, it's, it's just everyday stuff like that. There was somebody who, uh, we had this amazing, like, setting where there was a pool that like the floor actually came up from the pool and became a dance floor. Oh, but it actually started to sink once a couple people were on it. So people were like sinking into the pool and I was like, well, okay, here we are folks. Like, <laughs> And we just kind of turned it into like a strut off in like knee deep water. So it actually worked out <laughs> for the best, but I was like, how do we spin this? This is a little bit, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> so, but you know, just funny little things that come up like that. Totally. Well, um, okay. So second one, and this yep. is Claudia, not me. So I'm just the messenger right. here. She wants to know how many calories were in your last tater tot cheat meal. Ah, okay. So first of all, <laughs> first of all, I want to know, Claudia from Norvina does not follow me. So I want to know what spooky ass shadow account she has where she is following me. One, I'm going to text her literally right now and, and tell Claudia for me if she doesn't watch this. I have no idea, but I appreciate her supporting my fitness, <laughs> my fitness as she has always done. She has, <laughs> so I appreciate. Oh my gosh! Okay. But probably, probably too many. Okay, probably okay. too many. That's valid. Yep. Um, okay, last one. And so I don't know what this is. There's. It has something to do with cats and ghosts. I hope I know what this is. Okay. <laughs> So she does watch my shit. That's really scary. I'm gonna tell her, be like, wait, I thought I was safe. I thought you like, I thought, <laughs> so she does watch it. There you go. Okay. So what, yep. what is that? Like, I don't know what it is. Ghost okay, cats. So I have a cat okay. around here somewhere. She's like a very 
spooky i i refer to her as like spooky ass bitch like she is a spooky looking cat she's white she's this weird breed called um a devon rex okay and it's a british breed but they basically look like little aliens okay right? okay so i have this cat and she's kind of weird and she's funny and you know very needy but she will literally stare at the corner of a wall any any room i could be in any room and she'll literally talk to the wall and I'm like, I can't with this. I can't. I literally like, I'm like working <laughs> or it's like one in the morning and I'm like, I can't with this right now because she, Claudia knows I'm a little bit of like a freak. Like when it comes to paranormal, supernatural uh -huh, stuff, uh -huh. if something like, if there's a bump in the night, I'm out. I'm like in my car. I'm like, I'm out. Like I would never be one of those people in a scary movie who like gets killed because my house would be up and out. I'd be like, there'd be no movie. I would not be starring in, in this movie because I hear, I hear boo and I'm like, we're good. I'm out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, my mama raised me right. I get out. So, so she, uh, so she, but she does this thing where she'll talk to somebody in the room who's not me. Because uh. she'll she'll talk to me and then she'll turn and she she's done this thing a couple times where she'll be literally speaking to like some phantom that I can't see and I'll place myself in front of her and start talking to her to like get her eyes. And she'll do this, she'll go, she'll look at me, and then she'll go and she'll look next to me again. So whatever she was talking to, almost like it stepped out from behind me, and I was like, I'm done. I'm getting rid of this cat. I love, I love her, I will give her to a good home, but you're stressing me out, cat. <laughs> you're stressing me out. Oh so that's, God. that's that story. Oh my God. Random, completely random that she has. Also <laughs> funny that we've uh, uncovered that Claudia has a uh, a fake account, a, sleep, a sleeper account. Yeah. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be there. Okay, and by the way, I have six followers. So like, let's. I so I'm like, it's gonna be very, fairly easy to narrow down. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, which which one are you? <laughs> oh my god! All right. Well, with that, I think we're gonna wrap it up. Thank you so yeah. much for taking the time today. I of learned course, a ton, yeah. laughed a ton, and um, really appreciate it. I think people are gonna learn yeah. a lot and. It's, you know, a lot of the things that you're talking about are things that are just so, um, they should be so obvious, but they're just not understood. And so I think people are going to learn a lot. Hit subscribe now. Earned by Tribe Dynamics. Tribe Dynamics unlocks your social media influencer community. Our platform not only tracks and measures your best influencer relationships, but discovers new influencers to grow your business through earned media. Get started with a demo today at TribeDynamics.com. TribeDynamics.com.